From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and this week we present 40 Times, our 40-minute sprint to recap the Cleveland Browns 2021-2022 season. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever. Co-host Phil Denko is here. Hey, Gerbs, thanks for having me, and I think I already pulled a hammy just thinking about that. <laughs> Journalist and Worth Bingham Prize winner Chuck Rambaldo is here as well. I'm going to need an explanation for the, the award that I've won. <laughs> the, the Worth Bingham Prize for investigative reporting is an annual journalism award which honors newspaper or magazine investigative reporting of stories of national significance. So congrats, Chuck. That's Thank quite you. an honor. It yeah, is well-deserved. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right, fellas. Pretty simple concept for tonight. When the NFL wants to measure speed, it tests a player's 40-yard dash time. Tonight, we're going to have 40s of our own. First. What kind of 40 are you drinking? Uh, classic old English, 800. <laughs> I miss the 800. That's the best old English. <laughs> I have a Milwaukee's best ice because my dealer was out of old English 800. And boy, do I miss it. Yeah. Supply chain issues hit Ludington, Michigan, too, because uh, there was no King Cobra at the corner store today. I ended up with a, a cold 45. 45. Works every time. Every though. time. Works every time. <laughs> Next, fellas, I'm going to put us on a clock and give us 40 minutes to recap the Brown season. Our 40 minutes will cover offense, defense, and coaching from the 2021-2022 season. And we'll also look ahead to what the Browns may be doing leading into next season. Any questions on tonight's format? We're talking about the Browns? We're talking about the Browns. <laughs> All right. Good. <laughs> All right, fellas. On your mark. Get set. <laughs> We are officially on the clock. All right, Denko, let's start with you tonight. Scale of one to five. One being socks on Christmas when you're 45. Five being last night's dunk contest. How disappointing was the last Brown season? I'm going to give it a five. It wasn't as bad as last night's dunk contest, but disappointment for sure, because we had so many expectations going into that season. To a person on this pod, if we thought it was a not a great season. You, you weren't predicting a losing record. You were predicting like, all right, maybe we end up 10 and seven and miss the playoffs because a bunch of teams win 11 games in a new, in a 17 game season. So yeah, that's a uh, shitty dunk contest five for me. I don't know if I'm as extreme. It's, it's leaning towards five, but I think it's more of a four because four is still utterly disappointing and makes us angry. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a solid four, but inching towards five, depending on how many of these 40 ounces, 42 ounces, right. uh, I get down my gullet. <laughs> I'm at about a four as well. I think a five would be a total disaster. You know, that would have been a three and 14 season or something like that. That totally came out of left field, obviously really disappointed. Definitely expected them to win more games and, and have a better year than they did, but I don't think it's quite as bad as what we watched last night. What do you think was the single most disappointing thing other than their record for the mm -hmm. Browns last year? Their offense. That's pretty broad, right? But that's still one but, thing. Yeah, yeah it is. Good. It is one thing. Uh, th their offense, and I could be more specific and say mostly the, the passing game on both ends. Um, I know Baker was hurt all year and I'm sick of giving him that pass. You know, he, he was out there playing. So do a better job, I think is where I land now. I don't want to completely blame Baker either. I was kind of looking at stuff today, our wide receiver core, man, do they need yeah. to do something about that going forward? The We're going to get to it. The leader, the leader <laughs> in, in, in receiving yards didn't even yeah. get to 600 yards. 
Not good. Not good in, the, yep. in an NFL where passing is king, as we've discussed week in and week out. So that that was my most disappointing part of the team. It's all encompassing, whether it was the passing game, the receivers, injuries to the offensive line, maybe some dissent in the wide receiver core. Like it, it's just everything, the play calling, everything offense was the most offensive thing, <laughs> disappointing thing <laughs> this season. I'm going to go kind of off the field and just say that there was drama and dysfunction again in Cleveland. And I had thought that after Stefanski and Barry came in and the way that they were the season before, that we weren't going to see that anymore. We weren't going back to these years where we've got players trying to get out of here and quarterback controversies and just a bit of mismanagement that I had hoped we were done seeing. Hopefully that's going to be something they get fixed for next year. But that was one of the things that disappointed me the most. Let's move on to Miles Garrett. 16 sacks this season, but only one sack in the final four games of the year. In the final four games of the previous season, he had one and a half sacks. In the final four games of the season before that, he had one sack. There's no doubt that Miles Garrett is awesome. Are we concerned that he fades at the end of the season or am I using numbers to lie? If you're using numbers to lie, I just think at the end of the season, some of those games might mean a whole lot more to, to some of the teams they're playing and, and maybe their the offense is doing a better job of scheming to double him or chip him or whatever it is. But yeah, that's uh, wow. I would, if you would have said, Hey, I'll bet you you're 40 that over under for the last four years is two, I would have said over and I would have been wrong. <laughs> uh, so uh, maybe it's, it's disappointing, but I, I think maybe he he's a freak and and I assume most of the times we're seeing him getting double teamed. So uh, it'd be a lot different if the defensive hole suffered, but we saw guys step up this year. If, if he wasn't getting his sacks and I, like, I'm going to be pissed about 16 and a half sacks. So no. All right. Yeah. It's weird, but I'll allow it. <laughs> Phil, what do you think? It is a weird stat. I, I, I don't know that he's fading. Does that take into account? Was it two years ago when he didn't play in the last three or four games of the season because of suspension? I went back and looked at it like I'm going to take the last four games that he played that in he played okay, and, gotcha. and, and count right what he had. So, um, so no, it's, it's not like that, but it's, it's yeah, interesting yeah. that that year, two years ago, his last four games were week 11 and 12 and 13 or something, right? Yeah, right. You know, something like that. Yeah. I don't think you're using numbers to lie. I think it's slightly concerning this very last year because the last four games of the season to Chuck's point meant a whole hell of a lot to the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Instead of, instead of the Browns playing a bunch of teams that it meant way more to them than it did us. We were in the situation where we had to win three of those four to, to make the playoffs and potentially even win the division. And they didn't, uh, it went the other way. And, but again, I mean, he is a freak and a force and he's getting double teamed and chipped and all that kind of stuff. And I think he probably played through some injury toward the end of the season this year too and he never really talked about it much I mean he was you saw him kind of limp off the field a couple times in the last quarter of the season but so I don't know we'll see it would be nice to have someone of his skill set dominate those games where so much is on the line I mean we saw it in the Super Bowl right I mean not the same position and not exactly the same skill set but everybody knew that Aaron Donald was the was the best guy on the field and I think Miles is that type of guy. But we every once in a while we would see this even in game during the season where, you know, all of a sudden it's a third or a third down or a fourth down or something like that late in the game. And, and he's on the bench or he's off the field, like 
catching his wind or something. And that, that always seems strange to me. And that's kind of what got me looking at the numbers and wanting to see what he did at the end of the year. And I think it's a problem if the guy disappears in the last quarter of the season. Sorry. Apologize. <laughs> that was that was cold 45 <laughs> answering the question. <laughs> I agree. I, I couldn't have put it better myself. Oh man. So I don't know, man. I, I worry that he's he's a freak and he's an animal and he's a fantastic dude. And I really like Miles Garrett as a player on this team, as a member of professional athlete community in Cleveland. But I worry about him staying healthy and and whether or not he's going to be showing up in those big games at the end of the year. And I certainly hope he does. That defensive line, when it's at its best, was fantastic this year. And obviously, he was the key to making that happen. So I understand it's been a disappointing season, but in every cloud, there is a silver lining. So I want you guys to tell me which of these silver linings you think is the best or maybe the most appropriate for the Browns as they look back on this season. Because it was a disappointing season, no other teams were interested in hiring away any of our coaches. All right. (laughs) Not making the playoffs gets us a head start on the draft. No one, and I mean no one, will see the Browns coming next year. And listen, the bottom line is that winning can cause players to develop egos. This season kept the Browns humble. Chuck, what do you think? What's the silverest lining? Well, if any of those are silver, <laughs> those all suck. No That's awful. Yeah. I mean, I guess the only, got it. None of them are good, but if it's a silver lining, it, it might be because it was a disappointing season that nobody sees them coming next year. If they could turn it around quickly, I, uh, which is terribly disappointing to be talking about right now. But I guess of those four shit-ass options, that's the, the best silver lining there, I think. And plus, they did lose a coach, but he only left for like a month, and then he came back. <laughs> Their D-line coach. Yes, right. I, I yeah. Think. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't research any of these. Um, so, <laughs> so, Chuck, which one did you go with? No one will see him coming? With, yeah, nobody's going to see him coming. Phil? I'm going to go with the last one. It keeps him humble, but I'll replace the word humble with, with hungry. And that's, that's more hopeful on my end. I think, I think that might be a silver lining here. If I have to choose, I didn't get the sense going into last year that this was the type of team that would believe all the hype that was being projected about them. They may not have, I mean, they, they suffered a lot of injuries and a lot of shitty things happen along the way, but now there won't be any hype no hype. There'll be no hype that they're going to go in there. And maybe this just sparks a hunger in some of these young, talented players to come out there and play the way they should every flipping weekend, whether they're uh, supposed to win the division or not. Do you think that the Browns underperformed or that the expectations were too high? Yes. More so. Well, (laughs) yes. yes. Come on. You can't say both, but well, I know I'm fence sitter here, but the uh, more so underperformed, the expectations were unrealistic. And we've, we've discussed that ad nauseum throughout all these podcasts where people were talking super well, like, whoa, 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 let's, let's win the division first, right? Uh, those kind of things underperformed for sure, because this team, the talent they had on that roster and coming off a season where they went 11 and five and won a playoff game to come back that next year and end up third in the division with a losing record. That's well underperforming. I think I got to go the other way just for the sake of the podcast. Cause I, t- I've talked about expectation a lot. I-, I think as the season went on, we found out they, they didn't have a Super Bowl roster or a deep playoff run roster. They lost games they shouldn't have. That's for sure. It's hard to pick one of them because both of them are so fucking disappointing. Uh, but expectation, 
expectations were, were beyond unrealistic for this team. And, and that's us included when we went through the season preview. We're like, almost all of us had them going to the Super Bowl. Like, we fucking crazy. Are we stupid? The roster was, we loved it. We loved the draft. We loved everything about it. So I think that just increased our expectations of what was going to happen this year. And it was going to be a cakewalk and people were going to lay down for the Cleveland Browns. And oh, yeah, people get injured. And we forgot about all that when we were doing a preview and COVID was still rampant. We, we didn't really talk about any of that stuff. At the end of the day, I think expectation in our mindset, not just us, like all Cleveland fans, it's, it's asinine at all times. You get a glimmer and the next thing you know, it's like, oh man, we're going to win four Super Bowls in a row, or we're going to win every NBA final or every world series. And I still have probably 38 ounces to drink and go, yeah, how's that worked out for us since 1987? Not very well. And mm-hmm. you're right though, the, this Cleveland Brown team they lost games that they should not have without a doubt in the numbers of like four or five of these games they should not have lost how many of their wins did they win and shouldn't have zero you know what i mean like where's the where's the luck pendulum swinging the other way like holy shit we were lucky to get out of that one with a win it's just a a browns type season like you you lose a bunch of games you shouldn't have it doesn't balance out necessarily where all these two-point games like the the packers game on christmas comes to mind like all these games where where was the luck just bouncing our way to to get out of there right. with a win when we shouldn't have, and it just one, doesn't one happen. pass interference call, the God most is, yeah. popular flag for a ref to throw pass interference, you know, at a right. time that like decides a game and the Browns were one pass interference call away from maybe winning that game on Christmas day. I'm going to go with underperformed because I don't think our expectations at the beginning of the year were unrealistic. Haven't won the division. Haven't won, you know, a road playoff game beyond that Steelers one or something, blah, 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 blah. The Bengals proved that you can have those expectations realistically without the track record this season. They went all the way to the Super Bowl. They won the division and none of us thought they could do it. They had the pieces there and they played really well and they were probably coached reasonably well. And they have the magic of, you know, a fantastic young quarterback and an unstoppable receiver. Uh, And those are things that maybe the Browns don't exactly have at the same level. But I think that expectation in the NFL that in one or two years, you can turn a bad team into a Super Bowl contender is a realistic expectation. I just don't think the Browns performed in a way that would make it happen. And I think it's a combination of injuries and poor play calling. I think we can always go back to game after game after game where we talked about, you know, why is Chubb off the field in the fourth quarter? Uh, Why are we running trick plays when all we need is a yard to keep a drive going? How come we keep throwing it to Hooper and all he does is fall down as soon as he catches it? All that stuff kind of comes together for an underperforming. But I would actually say, and I'm a pretty irrational exuberance guy when it comes to how teams will play at the beginning of the season. I think the Guardians are going to win the World Series every year when the season starts. I thought the Cavs would make the playoffs, <laughs> but I defend our expectations. I think that there was enough good information out there and enough reasons to think that this team was going to be really, really good. Uh, and I think they underperformed. I'm also going to go with no one will see the Browns coming next year for uh, their silver lining for a disappointing season. Uh, that's another part of the, you know, losing. Losing to the Chiefs was a good idea. The Bengals yep. losing or winning the Super Bowl was going to be a good idea because they'd be less hungry. It's all it's all psychology. Let's talk a little bit. Offensive player of the year for the Browns. It's too easy. I'm not giving you guys that kind of a softball. Nick Chubb had 1,259 yards rushing in only 14 games. He is the offensive player of the year. I want to know your assistant 
offensive player of the year. The second best player on the team. So, man. Yeah, I'm not going to make it easy. No. Is it going to be weird that I'm probably going to say a lineman? Is no. it Joel Bentonio? Because <laughs> that's where I was going. Yeah, to. right. Thinking, yeah, it, yeah. It's him. Interesting. Yeah, he, it's it's a guy who played guard and then played left tackle for what? One or two games and, and yeah. played pretty well over there. He's an Iron Man on, on that line that had real injury problems this year. Never have to worry about, I guess you never have to worry about him dropping a ball. You never have to worry about him fumbling. Um, just, just a guy who stood out a lot uh, and has somewhat of a mean streak that you saw a little bit this year. But the fact that he has the guy to play left tackle and he played it better than, than the starter for two games, I'm giving him the, the co-offense. That's the worst thing ever. Assistant, awful. assistant yeah, offensive player. Assistant player offensive player. Assi- yeah, but still, I'm giving it to a guard. That's... <laughs> Well, no, that's that, a, that's that sums up our season. offense yeah. pretty well, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's my pick. Or that's Chuck just has a real good understanding of the nuts and bolts in football and knows that games are yeah. won and lost in the trenches. And yeah, so he's absolutely. not going to be distracted by all the flash of the skill players. <laughs> Phil, how about you? Distracted by yeah. skill players? I am. Uh, shiny things running around. Chuck's right on, though. I, I think there's probably two or three assistant offensive players of the year on that offensive line. If we really dug into it, right. Uh, Betonio leading that pack. It's the assistant offensive player of the year. Yes. Not, not the assistant to the offensive player of no. the year. So it's because I I'm going to go either Donovan people's Jones or Dearness Johnson. So I think I'm going to lean towards Donovan people's Jones because not that his stat line was that crazy. He did lead the team in, in receiving, which is crazy, but the stat yeah. line wasn't that great, but here's a guy in his, in his second year that I think he's kind of coming into his own and and cementing himself in the starting maybe two wide receiver, the number two wide receiver, replacing like a Jarvis Landry kind of guy that's going to go out there and be on the field, you know, every game, every play and catch the ball. That's what we need. Catch the ball. Uh, So I'll I'll lean towards Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think there's an argument for Dearness though, man. He played, he actually looked this up. He played in all 17 games. He was one of the only guys on offense that played in all 17 games. He only started a handful. That's where he got all his yards, but I, do you guys remember? Did he ever disappoint in a start? I don't know if he did. No, Never. no. Yeah, so, and I'll yeah. tell you, he he is my choice for right. assistant well, offensive you take player. Him, of the year. I'll take. Oh. Yeah, Steve, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Donovan Peoples Jones uh, took a lineman. <laughs> Dearness Johnson had 534 yards rushing, but he did it on only 100 carries. So he's averaging over five yards a carry. He played in all 17 games, and you're right. He never disappointed when they really needed him to make a play. And so on a team that was built to run first, uh, and they had injuries to uh, Nick Chubb, and they had injuries to Kareem Hunt, uh, I thought Johnson stepped up really well and played really well. And we're going to get to free agents later, but he's one of them. Uh, He's a guy I hope that they're going to be bringing back next year. They're going to find a way to bring him back because I think that depth and his ability is really useful for this team. So he is my assistant offensive player of the year. Let's move over to the other side of the ball, defensive player of the year. Again, that's easy. Miles Garrett, 16 sacks, 33 quarterback hits. Who's your assistant defensive player of the year? This one, again, I'm, I'm torn between two people and they both play linebacker. One may no longer play for the Browns as of this season, and the other will certainly be playing for the Browns for a while. So I'm trying to decide between Anthony Walker Jr. and uh, Jeremiah Ouzou-Karmara. I think JOK had an amazing rookie year. I, I know he, he was banged up there, but he man, he was everywhere. And we were talking about that dude every weekend. Yep. And, and we see the future there, right? I don't know that I want to give him 
maybe I'm going to keep him hungry, right? Silver lining here. I want to keep that dude hungry. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to give, I'm going to give the assistant defensive player of the year to Anthony Walker. Cause I think that guy led that defense. Uh, he certainly led the team in tackles, Yep. but I think he was a leader. By a long shot actually. Yeah. yeah. He was a leader on the field and we need that guy out there. And I know he's a free agent and we talked about this in the past too. We're finally in a situation where maybe the Browns throw money at their own players for once because they're good enough. That yeah. guy would, would fill that category for sure. Chucky assistant defensive player of the year going with a lineman. <laughs> it's, I mean, he's one of the options. Absolutely. It's, it's, yep. it's a hard choice here. It could be clowny because I think he exceeded almost all of our expectations. Yeah. The way he played the speed he played with that sometimes in some games, probably in the last four games, uh, he showed up more than miles Garrett. Yeah. did. He seemed Absolutely. like more of a force and that might be a nine sacks uh, this year for yeah, clowning. And that might be a direct result of the fact that Miles Garrett's playing on the other side of the line that that it might have freed him up. But the two uh, only because I wasn't a, the biggest believer. I think for me it might be Denzel Ward and I know he had some injuries this year, but a guy I said was made of paper mache and and played soft. He did not oh, yeah. play soft this year, man. God, I don't remember what game it was. That tackle he made to almost save the game on that first down where he came up and wrapped the dude up. But he played tough physical defense that I wasn't used to seeing out of him. In most games, that guy's a lockdown corner, man. I always thought maybe maybe that guy can walk. Maybe they can let him go because it's going to cost an awful lot of money to keep him here. Yep. But if people are debating about Baker Mayfield making 20 to $30 million a year, I wish people started to debate, like, how could we let this guy go who may be a top 10 or 15 corner in the league? Yeah. Who only makes who only makes a rookie on the other side of the field, Greg Newsom, a much better corner. So I think I'm going to go with Denzel Ward only because I was so surprised that I saw another gear for him in a physical one that I had not seen in previous years. He had a really great year. My assistant defensive player of the year. I'm going with John Johnson. 61 tackles, three picks. He had half a sack too. Don't remember that, but apparently he no. got in there, got a hand on the quarterback when Garrett or Clowney was throwing him down. But, you know, that's the kind of line you like your safety to have, right? A lot of tackles, a lot of pass defense, getting into the backfield as well. If we look back to this previous season, that secondary was so rot and just so hard to watch play. And this guy was brought in to do the job of helping to solidify that. And I think he did. Right. I, I, I don't disagree with any of your choices, by the way. Either. I think those are all, yeah. all, all three choices are really good because all three of those guys had really good seasons. For the help they needed in the secondary, I would give it to Johnson. I think you're onto something. Just oh, because if we remember like the first three or four games, he looked lost on this yep. team. Yeah. Like he looks so out of position, like, you know, and it was people were questioning why they signed him and he should be playing closer to the line. But he had a, a stellar year after those first couple of yeah. games. Remember all the jokes became... we used to make about the defensive mm -hmm. coordinator? Yeah. 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 I do. <laughs> yeah. I we think Johnson maybe would toggle between Johnson and, and Walker, but I, I'm pretty sure Johnson ended up being like the signal caller on defense, the, the bulk of the season. So he was kind of the captain on that side of the yeah. ball. It's a yeah. solid move, man. And I agree with you. There was some question about it at the beginning of the year, but I think that those signings that they made in the off season to build up that secondary really, really helped and are going to pay dividends. I think uh, again, next year, let's play a little game of what if, so I'm going to throw out a couple of what ifs for you guys. Tell me what you think, you know, kind of what if maybe what it would have meant to the season, maybe what it would have resulted in, or what if this happened, kind of what your thoughts about the Browns at the end of the season might have been different or the same. So what if 
the Browns defense was ready for the start of the season. In the first half of the season, the Browns had losses where the defense gave up 33, 37, and 47 points. In the final seven games, that defense only gave up more than 25 once. And five of their last seven games, they held the opposing offense to less than 20 points. So Phil, what if the Browns defense had been ready for the start of the season? If they had been ready, and of those three games where they gave up that many points, let's say the Browns won one of them, I'm pretty sure we would have replaced the Steelers in the playoffs. And I think we'd all be feeling a little different right now. Still a little like, oh man, nine and seven or nine and eight is not great, but another playoff year, right? Right. More playoff experience. So that's all it takes. One more win somewhere along the line. And we didn't have to watch the goddamn Steelers play in a playoff (laughs) game. Uh, I like playing what if, because if the question you're asking, if the what if is right, they win against the chiefs and they win against the chargers. Yeah. And it's a completely different season. Uh, and they win a division, right? Yeah. 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 That's it. Two games. Yeah. 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 That's it. So that's a good. What if I like that one. I like that too. All right. Good. I'm glad you guys like this game. What if Baker Mayfield had left the Texas game when he got hurt and just gone on the IR and had the surgery then what if Chucky? Ooh, baby. I think we saw Case Keenum was more than capable of of running the offense, not at the highest level that it probably is designed to do, but he was beyond serviceable. I don't know if there's any different result though. I, I don't think he wins more games. I, I don't know because I, I don't. I don't. I'm not. I can't shit on this dude because he did everything we asked him to do in the two games he started. Right? He only started two games, I think. And then Nick yeah. Mullins had a start too. Oh, that's right. I forget about yeah. Big Dick Nick. <laughs> I forgot about him. Uh, <laughs> if only Case Keenum could have started that game. Right. Yeah. yeah. What if? Then what yeah. if? Then we're yeah. a yeah. playoff team again. There's too much shit wrapped in there, and it's wrapped in hair and lit on fire. So I don't, I don't know if I could give you a, a real answer. I, I think maybe they would have won another game or two. I think, but I, I, well, but we're talking about a game or two. They might make the playoffs. So Phil, help me out, please. I got you, man. I got you. I'm ready. <laughs> Can I play this one too? Yeah. Go. <laughs> All right. Good. So uh, it's your first time if? on the show. Uh, it is. Thank you for finally inviting me. After 63 of these things, I'm finally on. No, what if Baker Mayfield went on the IR after that Texans game? Here's what I think would have happened. I think the Browns would have ended up eight and nine and third in our division, just like they did, because Case Keenum is good for that, I think, over the course of a season. However, Baker Mayfield would now be well into his recovery and probably already throwing footballs in the offseason, as opposed to now he won't be, he will not be participating in any OTAs and we're hoping to get him ready by training camp. So that's the big part of that. So maybe the three of us are sitting here right now and not feeling any different because we still have a lot of questions about Baker Mayfield and our offense and all this shit. And the Browns didn't, you know, all right, they went eight and nine, but I think the time frame would have been a lot better for Baker to make a really strong recovery and make this off season really profitable for him and, and his future. I don't know what I think about the the what if of the wins and losses, but I know for sure we'd feel differently about the season. I, I think we'd still be on the high from the season before and the playoff run. We would be able to say, well, hey, we lost our starting quarterback in week three. Yeah. Right. And, you know, what were we going to do? I, I think our feeling about this team, I think our feeling about Stefanski, I think our feeling about the play calling 
are probably our feelings about the wide receivers would all be different if Baker hadn't tried to play the whole season hurt. And God bless him for being tough enough to want to do that. But if you go back and look at like, I don't know if you ever on YouTube, they do like full game highlights that you can look back on from the season before. And it's like a 14 minute clip, pretty much giving you all the highlights for a full game. Go back and watch some of those from the, the season before. Baker looked like a completely different guy, so much more mobile, uh, more pop in his throws, more accuracy. I think the fact that he tried to play hurt all season long changed our view of this team a lot. And I don't think it would have happened if he had just had the surgery and been gone. You talk about like the feeling. Yeah. I think the feeling of this season would be a lot different if he had just had the surgery. Still been a disappointment, I think, but we would have felt a lot better about that disappointment, maybe. (laughs) 2022 NFL draft starts on April 28th. The Browns are picking 13th in the first round. Phil, what position are they taking in the first round? Wide receiver. Okay, Chuck. Would you like me to expand on that? I don't <laughs> no, know. That's all right. <laughs> I think I answered like the question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seemed pretty confident in the answer. Yeah. Yeah. I would have agreed with Phil up till about two weeks ago because maybe they address it in free agency or maybe they make a trade for somebody like Calvin Ridley. But even if they don't, there are a lot of wide receivers in this draft. But I'm going to be really brutally honest here. We don't run an offense that is wide receiver friendly. Again, who was, who was our most yards? 600 yards, Jones, 500 people Jones. If you bring in a a true number one, he's still a rookie, but well, Jamar chase kind of changed all that this year. Didn't he? I think they should go wide receiver, but I don't know how much, how much weight they put on that position. So I wouldn't be surprised if they went with a D lineman, if they went with an edge or or a tackle, that'd be the other, that'd be the other, at that point in the draft, that'd be the other stud, like plug that dude in and he's going to start right away position that the Browns need. And the off season plays a huge role in that. Of course. I mean, if they, if they sign a guy like Mike Williams out of, from the chargers or trade right, for right. Ridley. Yeah, then, yeah, right. You yeah. don't need to draft yeah. a wide receiver yeah. in the first round, get your wide receivers in the third and fourth round. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm surprised. I guess I wouldn't have thought they were going, I wouldn't think that they'd go defensive line in the, in the first round. I think it probably a wide receiver, but there's already plenty of noise about Malik Willis. Who's a quarterback from Liberty and yeah. talk about the Browns taking him at 13. Some talk about the Steelers taking him. Uh, he's kind of a project quarterback, but uh, apparently is seen by people who know as like kind of like a can't miss dude at quarterback. Anybody think the Browns might shock the world and take a quarterback in the first round? No, that, that gets a lot of clicks right now, right? Like that, that's sure that's yeah. a headline that I've been fooled um, a lot of times by stuff yeah. like that. I don't think you draft a quarterback at 13 with the expectation that he's a project and he's going to sit behind Baker Mayfield for one or two years. You know who, you know, who does that shit? The Packers. <laughs> and right. that's exactly yeah. what the Packers <laughs> yeah. do. Like that's, that's the thing. Like, can we help Baker Mayfield out next year? Can we get him a wide receiver? Can we help this team out and fill some other holes? Cause our defensive line is potentially pretty thin with free agency and arrests and those kind of things. So I can't imagine they draft a quarterback at 13. Now, could they trade back up into the bottom of the first round and draft a quarterback? Yes, I think they could do that. And then there's a guy that could be that project or whatever behind Baker instead of a bunch of has-beens or never-will-bes. Chuck, any chance they're drafting a quarterback? So my internet went unstable uh, for a minute. So I lost about 45 seconds of whatever you were saying, but I did hear you set up about the Liberty quarterback. So I'm going to, I heard the tail end of Phil. So all I'm going to say is this, 
Uh, why draft a project quarterback when you already fucking have one on this roster? <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a really good point. So uh, I would focus you on it. You barely us. need to pay attention to this show, Chuck. That's a mic drop point right there. We should just end yeah. it. Like, we yeah. have a project yeah. quarterback as our starter. All right, Chucky, scale of one to 10. One being full-on unvaccinated long-haul COVID. 10 being the common cold. How sick are you of stories about the Browns and what they need to learn from the Bengals? I don't know if I've read enough of them. So maybe it's, uh, (laughs) geez, maybe it's um, a, well, maybe not asymptomatic COVID, but like you're feeling the effects a little bit, but it's not knocking you off your game. Listen, I I haven't dug deep enough into the Bengals season, but I'm pretty sure they won a lot of games by a pretty close margin. And I'm pretty sure their schedule was somewhat easier. And we talked about this briefly on the pod that one or two or three different plays changed change the season the difference is that the Bengals made those plays and yep. they have a better offense than the browns and more weapons and all that and the most disappointing part is that we've all said this we thought the Bengals were, were what the browns were supposed to be this year uh so i'm not super sick of it like uh, gl- good for them i guess i'm glad they fucking lost because they're in the division but i'm not the sickest i'm not i'm not uh, long hauling it i'm long hauling it how about you phil <laughs> Well, I just don't want to hear the story. It's like, okay, yeah, we get yeah, it. They yeah, made their yeah. run, blah, blah, blah. It I mean, I, I'm sick of it in the sense that I think it's bullshit. I think it's, uh, you know, I don't think a team tries to base itself on what the Bengals built coming into this season. Now, things went the Bengals way, right? Like everyone would love the results. Let me get to a Super Bowl. That's fantastic. But I don't think the plan was set by the Bengals organization. Like this is how you build a team. I mean, that they lost to the Browns twice, (laughs) you you know, I mean, it's, they just won the games that they had to win. They had the playmakers and we've talked about this over and over again. The NFL is, it's just so such a fine line between the Browns and the Bengals, right. And, and their way their seasons ended up. So I'm sick of it in the fact that I don't think the Browns should mimic what the Bengals tried to build. I would really love the Browns to emulate how the Bengals ended their season. (laughs) <laughs> or, or at least up to the last with, yeah. lo- with a loss in the Super Bowl. I'll take a loss in the Super Bowl right now. How many Super Bowls have we I lost so I'm, far? I think Zero. I guess I guess I can rephrase. I guess what I'm sick of hearing about the Bengals is that they're young and they'll be back. Oh, they'll be back. Yeah, no, Joe yeah. Burrow will be back. Yeah. But that's guess not the what? NFL, right? Dan that's Marino in his second yep. year, and he never went back. And he had yeah. two stud wide receivers and Clayton and Duper, and they never went back. So there's no guarantee. There was a list online this weekend about the quarterbacks, the all pro quarterbacks that appeared in a Super Bowl and never returned to the Super Bowl. And it was amazing. There, there must have been 20 people on the list and yeah. 10 of them are in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. So looking at the man in the mirror, if you were Kevin Stefanski looking at your own reflection, what would you tell yourself that you need to do better next season? I was going to say, damn, I look good, but I guess I was say, damn, <laughs> yeah, yeah, my, my beard is on point. My stubble game is my, hot. My That's salt and pepper's got it going on. What does Kevin Stefanski have to do better next year? I think there's a long list here. Uh, and I know we're on the clock. Um, <laughs> We're getting close. I think he needs better play calling for the situations and scenarios that this team found itself in. And I'm not even talking about one or two plays. I'm talking about specific game fucking plans against teams. I think he needs to manage drama in situations a little bit better. I'm not saying he's not accountable, but you like it started to remind me of all the other coaches. <laughs> Uh, in this that's, town, that's 40 minutes, boys. What? Oh, <laughs> that's it. man, that's it, <laughs> boys. That's it. That's the end what? of our 40. <laughs>
We are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that we are only 203 days away from the start of the next Brown season. With those 203 blissful, stress-free days to come, I hope you guys have a great week. And let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. I feel like I'm angry right now. I feel like I've ended the game. I've ended the game and I still have two timeouts. Like, what the hell am I taking these to the locker room for? <laughs> let's move over to the other side of the. <clears throat> Cold 45, get in the way. Cold. How oh. sick of you? <clears throat> How sick? I, I haven't dug deep and dug deep enough into. On your mark, get set. <laughs> we are officially on the clock for 40 times in our recap like, of the Brown season. Sounded like Jeff Daniels on the shitter. It's harder than you think to find horn sounds apps <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> Did you not hear the horn? No, that was no. a horn. It sounded like you. <laughs> Where's uh, yeah? back to Jeff Daniels taking a. <laughs> And the shitter. That's what we needed. <laughs> oh, man. So go ahead, Chuck. Finish what you're saying. Oh, Kevin right. Stefanski, uh, look in the mirror. I got another one to run by you guys, too. We'll yeah, just, we'll I, I think uh, what I was yeah. going to start to say was I got really tired of the same. Did anybody this. finish their 40 and 40? No, I still have. So no, oh, I got no 40, 40, man, in this crush. Uh, <laughs> I got tired of I hearing steroids. the same kind of uh, talking points after losses where we got to be better. I have to do better. Yep. The team has to perform better. Yep. Uh, I, I would like maybe that to improve a little bit too. Looking in the mirror as Kevin Stefanski, I think um, in-game adjustments are important. <laughs> like he, he did a great job starting the game. Like it always seemed like our first possession at the beginning of the game and our first possession yeah, the after first halftime. Possession in the first half, yeah. yeah we're phenomenal. The How about stuff? Right. So in yep. game, like, all right, holy shit, look at this team biting on this or biting on that. Can we get, can we get our tight ends involved? Can we throw the ball to our running backs? Can we do anything to open up this offense is something that he needs to look at. I think other than that, or, or maybe, maybe beyond that, instead of the on the field stuff, maybe it's what, what responsibilities his coordinators actually have, you know, from game planning you know, he, he, he gives such a shitty and canned response to every question the media asks about how we all collaborate on the game plan, blah, blah, blah. Just because I'm calling the plays doesn't mean Van Pelt doesn't call the plays and, you know, all these kind of things. So just being honest and going out there and just letting it fly, like in today's NFL, like just let it fly, go out there and let your offense yeah. dictate the pace of the game. Yeah. And that's something we talked about over and over again this year. It never, it, rarely, I shouldn't say never, because there were a couple games. The Bengals games game was one. It, oh, the rarely, Chargers, the Chiefs, man, they, well, they, they, they should no, I, score I, points. I didn't mean that. What I meant oh. was the Browns dictating the pace of the game. Like we talked about that over and over again, where we kind of like, all right, let's see what our opponent's doing and we can play the game that way yeah, because that's what they would do. So I would like him to uh, grow a huge set of balls and go out there and just dictate the pace of the game, dictate the pace of the game. Like say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to throw the ball. We're going to run the ball, whatever we're going to do. And, and until the other team stops you, 
therein lies the in-game adjustment, right? Yeah. I'm going to be a lot more vanilla than Denko. I'm just going to say, I think he needs to hand over more play calling responsibilities in game to somebody else. I just think your head coach has got so many things to think about and plan for and analyze and strategize about during a game that individual play calls shouldn't be one of them. Um, he, he should, he should hand that off to somebody else and it'll still be his offense. It'll still be his theory. Um, it'll still be his plan or scheme or whatever the f- they want to call it. He needs to give the, the moment to moment play calling so, to some extent to somebody else. Uh, and so he can focus on the, the bigger picture stuff for the team. Grass is always greener. Hypothetically moving on from Baker Mayfield. We're still kind of doing the show, but even though we're yeah. not doing the show, <laughs> but we're not going anywhere. Y'all fired up now. We're not going anywhere. Go. Okay. Can we agree that none of the top flight quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and I'm waving my 40 to make my point, Deshaun Watson, out of retirement, Tom Brady, or out of retirement, Big Ben. <laughs> Are coming to Cleveland. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Might be able to talk Big Ben into it. But <laughs> okay. So then, like the second tier of possibly available quarterbacks, Jimmy G, Derek Carr, Matt Ryan, maybe. Would either of you bet a thousand bucks that one of those guys ends up in Cleveland next year? No. No. Okay. So that leaves us with. And I'm going to force you guys to pick one of these and tell me what you would feel about this guy replacing Baker Mayfield. Kirk Cousins, $35 million a year, one playoff win three years ago. Marcus Mariota, since 2015, he's only had two seasons where he threw for more than 3,000 yards. Teddy Bridgewater, 29 years old, 7-7 seven and seven and 14 starts for a Broncos team that Everybody seems to think is a quarterback away from being a legitimate Super Bowl contender. After that, Jameis Winston, Mitch Trubisky, anybody else? Go ahead, Phil. Um, You have to pick one. I have to pick one of those guys to replace Baker Mayfield. So we're going to replace a guy that has proven when healthy can win in the NFL with a bunch of guys who have. This proven is a hypothetical. Can. This is for all those <laughs> yeah. people who want to get rid you of. Know Baker. What? All right. Let's go yeah. So the I'm going to choose. One. I'm gonna, I got one. Available. I got one. I'm going to choose one. If I had to choose one of those guys, the, the third tier that you just said, I'm going with Jameis, Jameis Winston. Uh, Whoa. Yeah. Man. Gross. The, the guy, because, <laughs> Yuck. Because, because I think he's going to throw the ball 50 times a game, throw four picks. It's going to be a shit show. It's going to be a circus. And it's, it's going to be the modern NFL offense. But Cheryl Miller's brother is on this 75, uh, if I could pick Cheryl Miller or Reggie Miller to be our quarterback yeah. over Jameis Winston, I would do that, but that was not an option. George <laughs> um, uh, Gervin like, looks like a black junior soprano. Go ahead. George, the he's the original Iceman. He's the original Iceman, yeah. Yeah, George the Iceman. How come Lenny Wilkins isn't in town? What's going There's on there? a bunch there? of guys not. How yeah. can he he's not waving in, in front of a white screen. Lenny Wilkins? Yeah. Come on, man. Anyway, those quarterbacks all suck, and I will take Baker Mayfield over all of them every day of the week. I understand that. That's what I'm. That is the point that I'm trying to you, make. You forced me to choose a shit quarterback, so I went with a guy yeah. that has the arm to throw the ball all over the field. Chuck, <laughs> what about I went you? With. If you have to take one of these, yeah, I, guys. I know I have to, and I can't replace Baker Mayfield with Baker Mayfield. So, 
it's gonna be really weird here boys are you ready yeah it's teddy bridgewater and here's why he doesn't have to do a whole lot Jameis winston big arm can throw it 50 times a game but that's not this offense this offense is turn around and hand it to somebody and make the throws you need to make and not do anything outlandish. Uh, you don't have to throw the ball 70 yards in the air. You don't have to do that. You don't have to make every back shoulder throw. Teddy Bridgewater is more than capable of running this offense and the team winning with this offense. Because I think out of all those guys you listed, Teddy Bridgewater's played on some shitty teams, but I think he might have the best record out of all those guys as a starter on that tertiary level. I honestly don't know who I would pick. I, I think Cousins can All right, some you gotta numbers. pick someone. Pick I gotta someone. pick somebody. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought Cousins was on the second. Wait, tier. he was on the second the third, tier. I would yeah, have definitely picked Cousins. Garbage. <laughs> no, no, Cousins was the first one on the third tier, but he's oh. thirty-five million a year, and he's won one playoff game. Yeah, give me a break. Is it is that really better than Baker Mayfield? Would you no, feel no. good about that? No, I didn't realize he was in the third tier, and that might be. No, he is. He's the most expensive guy in the in the third tier. Um, I think I I I think Chuck convinced me to go with Bridgewater. Hey, Um, welcome to my side. That that thing is that like he doesn't have to do a lot. Let's just run the hell out of the ball. So another thing I would get you eight or nine wins in the NFL. (laughs) That's what that gets you. Yeah, that's true. Again, my my point in this entire segment is breaking down the fact that. All of these people who want to get rid of Baker are out of their minds because they're agreed. There is yeah. no better option right now. Right. Cause none Aaron Rodgers, Russell, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson are not coming to Cleveland. It's just not yeah. happening. I don't even think Desha- I think Deshaun Watson, even with all the shit that he's dealing with has better options than coming to the Browns right now. What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?